Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with Science and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, it's Mike. It's Saturday. It's the Saturday show. And in the spirit of the Saturday show, we do one from the vault and one from the week. And in the spirit of this week, we will do my spiel on Spirit Airlines. Spirit Airlines today, or whenever I'm recording this and you're hearing this, they talked about going into bankruptcy. It doesn't mean that they will stop functioning as an airline. Well, we should say stop functioning even less of an airline as they are now. But there are economic headwinds aeronautical term facing spirit and one of these is that the united states did not allow a merger between spirit and JetBlue. i argue in my spiel that although the judge mostly looked at the effect that might have on prices and JetBlue coming in and making spirit a little more expensive he failed to take into account what if JetBlue just made spirit a little more i don't know in adherence to the third basket of the Helsinki Accords. Not a great in-flight experience with Spirit Airlines, I do say. That was from the week. Now, from the best of all time, well, it's about a year ago, less than a year ago, I talked about a video game. A video game that came out called Hogwarts Legacy, where people online were objecting to the very presence of this video game because J.K. Rowling is involved. Oh, she's the creator of the Harry Potter universe. So how well, we couldn't know it then, it just came out, it had some good reviews, but how much would a boycott of Hogwarts Legacy, how much of an impact would that have? How much would it take down the sales? We have now the 2023 top 20 best-selling games. I could do the whole, you know, countdown. Call of Duty, Call of Duty is usually up there as number two, and Madden, that was number three. Uh, Hogwarts, Hogwarts Legacy, that was number one, just so you know. Why would we, why would we re-air the segment if the boycott worked? Anyway, enjoy both these segments. This episode is brought to you by The Jordan Harbinger Show. You've heard me talk about The Jordan Harbinger Show because it's one of my favorites. He does in-depth interviews with some of the world's most fascinating minds. I can name a few. Barbara Boxer, Anderson Cooper, Michael McFall, the Ukraine or Russia ambassador talking about Ukraine. One I recently listened to was Stanley McChrystal, the general, the former general. And he told uh, an interesting story about revering Robert E. Lee. But then, after having a portrait of him for 40 years, he's a 63-year-old man throwing it in the trash. Because his wife says, you know, what that picture and that man means to you, it doesn't mean to other people, and you have to understand that. And then in the interview, they got around to the point where 
McChrystal talked about that interview in Rolling Stone magazine that pretty much ended his career, where I uh, got to the desk of Barack Obama and it had McChrystal saying unflattering things about the war effort and just how he talked to his wife and how they decided not to be bitter and not to wallow in. He could have taken some shots at the process, the reporter or the president at that point, but he didn't. It was just an overall good interview. It was facilitated by Jordan's excellent interview style. Whether Jordan is conducting an interview or giving advice to a listener, you will find something useful that can apply to your own life in every single episode of The Jordan Harbinger Show. That could mean learning how to ask for advice the right way or discovering a little mindset tweak that changes how you see the world. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R, like the first three letters in hard, B-I-N-G-E, as in how you'll want to catch up on all the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Donald Trump promises his followers to be their sword, their retribution. Okay, let's check out the counteroffers. Joe Biden says democracy's on the ballot. Abstract, but plausible. The Democrats say they're the party of the average guy in terms of tax rates. Sure, values, maybe not. Abortion, yes, if the average guy is a woman, which is either a lot less or a lot more progressive than I ever intended it to be. But really... In terms of government, government doing things for you, getting in there, protecting institutions that serve you, standing up for the forces that actively make your life better, well, we got to win. Here's a win they could point to. A federal judge weighed in and promised all Americans, don't worry, you will still have access to your cherished, beloved, well-regarded, private, but protected by the public utility. It is a brand synonymous with dignity, affordability, and respect for the individual. Spirit Airlines has been saved. WGN-TV with details. Federal judge siding with the Biden administration and has blocked JetBlue Airways from buying Spirit Airlines. The judge ruled the $3.8 billion deal would reduce competition. Justice Department sued to block the merger, saying it would drive up fares by eliminating Spirit, the nation's biggest low-cost airline. JetBlue had argued the deal would help consumers by making JetBlue a stronger competitor against bigger rivals dominating the U.S. air travel market. Yes, federal intervention does happen, and when it delivers, it delivers a brand synonymous with quality so low, it's the 99-cent store of airlines and a loft bus station. In terms of gifts to just starting out comics, Spirit Airlines is on the Mount Rushmore next to Arby's, Nambla, and Nickelback. And finally, the FAA yesterday proposed fining United Airlines more than $1 million for skipping safety steps. Even worse, Spirit put black electrical tape over the check engine light. This morning, JetBlue agreed to buy Spirit Airlines for $3.8 billion. It's historic. This is the first time anyone wanted Spirit Airlines. It's normally the last choice behind, can't we just walk from Albany to Rochester? This is how a comedian's brain works. This will sum it up perfectly. I was on a Spirit Airlines flight and there was like a medical emergency. You know what they come on? They're like, is there a doctor on board? And everybody was panicking. And I was just like. <laughs> I go, there's no doctor on a Spirit Airlines flight. They don't even have a slogan at Spirit Airlines. They should. It should be like Spirit Airlines. We're the best. You could do. It's like telling Spirit Airlines not to serve you peanuts that fell on the floor of other airlines. That's what they do. Spirit Airlines, if you wanted to eat clean peanuts, you should have flown Delta. 
Over the holidays, an unaccompanied six-year-old child was put on the wrong Spirit Airlines flight. Okay, it sounds bad, but that headline is very unfair. Every Spirit Airlines flight is the wrong flight. Spirit Airlines has delivered more mirth than all the big carriers combined. JetBlue, what, are there some jokes about, what, potato chips? What is it, 2005? JetBlue wanted to merge with Spirit so that their combined forces would amount to the fifth largest airline. That would be after American, United, Delta, and Southwest, which... Even after this deal went through, which it didn't, the big four would still account for more than 80% of America's air traffic. Quote, today's ruling is a victory for tens of millions of travelers who would have faced higher fares and fewer choices had the proposed merger between JetBlue and Spirit been allowed to move forward, said Attorney General Anthony Blinken, who definitely flies America United or Delta whenever he goes anywhere. And that statement, when you think about it, comes with a lot of baggage, which is $20 for carry-on, $40 to check-in on Spirit. I understand the antitrust considerations, but if you could save just two customers a year from deep vein thrombosis from a Spirit Airlines seat, haven't you really served justice? The ruling, after quoting from the Les Mis song, Master of the House, not kidding about that. Reasonable charges plus some little extras on the side. Charge them for the lights, extra for the mics, two percent for looking in the mirror twice. Here a little slice, there a little cut, three percent for sleeping with the Worries about a JetBlue acquisition increasing spirits prices. But it doesn't spend any ink on wondering if a JetBlue acquisition might also raise Spirit's customer experience. JetBlue, as the ruling notes, does offer the most legroom in coach. Why is the assumption that Spirit's prices are going to rise rather than Spirit's amenities, I don't know, no longer mimicking a Romanian detention center during the reign of Ceausescu? Did you know, this is true, I read this in reading the 113-page ruling, that half of Spirit's revenue comes from selling customer add-ons, add-ons like uh, better seats or some snacks or something to drink, you know, generally things that the Geneva Convention should have disallowed the denial of. I'm just saying, rather than worrying about a new fifth-place airline and what that might mean for the cheapest flights known to man, perhaps consider some of the upsides of no longer disgorging plane loads of angry travelers onto the municipalities of Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, or Las Vegas. People, hundreds of people at a time, who are perhaps a bit ill-tempered after being kept in a large veal pen in the sky. Maybe the combination could actually benefit the consumer. A mixing of the blue and the yellow, perhaps yielding much more than green. And now the spiel. Let me take you into a world I do not know and do not understand and know I will never know. The Chamber of Secrets, the Philosopher's Stone, the Half-Baked Phoenix, the Half-Order of Fusilli, the Goblet of Hoglets. Okay, I may have made up some of those or got them wrong. Which is to say, I don't know the wizarding world of Harry Potter that well. I am your basic bitch muggle, but I do know it's huge. How huge? Well... When it comes to the new Harry Potter video game, we're talking Nundu or Runespore-sized. Yeah, 
It's called Hogwarts Legacy, and it's enormous. It's number one game in sales. It's the best-selling Harry Potter game of all time. It's the most watched single-player game ever on Twitch. It's been predicted to sell 10 million units. And since it retails for $70, that's $700 million, a.k.a. 29 Knuts and one sickle, 17 sickles and a galleon. It's 29 million golden galleons or 14 billion Knuts. And that's according to Jerome Powell. There shouldn't have been any question that a well-made game, which allows players to live in a beloved intellectual property, would do well. But there was that question because of J.K. Rowling, who had nothing to do with the design of the game. But as CNN states it bluntly, quote, the author has repeatedly made anti-trans comments. Here's the background. Two and a half years ago, Rowling mocked the use of the phrase people who menstruate. When criticized, she wrote a long thread in which she articulated a position that she has stuck to, that there is a difference between women and trans women. She said of trans women that she supports them, she respects them, she respects their right to live in any way that feels authentic and comfortable to them, and she vowed to march with them if they were discriminated against. But she concluded, quote, at the same time, my life has been shaped by being female. I do not believe it's hateful to say so. And she has said so again and again. She always goes to her pen with the stated intention of doing what she knows how to do, explaining things through the written word. Today we will review a spell that has saved me from death at the hands of dark wizards more times than I care to remember. Levioso. But Rowling has found that each attempt at an explanation always results in louder repudiation of her views. There is nothing that she's written that's quote-unquote worse than what I read to you. She says she supports trans women, but she puts them in a different category than what she calls real women, what a scientist might call someone natally female. Putting aside if this sentiment is hate speech, erasure, violence, harmful, an opinion she's entitled to, or what, it did earn Rowling the ire of many fans who would otherwise buy her game or at least be among the cohort to be interested in it. In fact... Sites MuggleNet and Leaky Cauldron have rejected Rowling's beliefs on transgender rights, which is like truth social rejecting Trump. Some Potter fans have even taken action. Reviewers have had to issue statements about their choices to review the game, which is the biggest blockbuster of the year. Twitch streamers, social influencers have been harassed for discussing the game, even for announcing they won't be playing the game out of fear on the condemnation they'd get if they did. So I took my revenge to wreak havoc and harm. Trans activists have been posting screenshots of the ending of the game to try to ruin the experience for players. This is among the youth known as spoiling an intellectual property, and I am told, despite dictates of etiquette, in this case, the spoilage does not come with an alert. Just as I think Rowling's speech should be protected, and not just by law, but by cultural norm, I think protesters have the right to strongly object to the game or anything else that's an outgrowth of J.K. Rowling's universe, as one might find a mutant species in Professor Spout's herbology class. The most important thing cultivated in herbology is knowledge. Of course, there are objections, and then... There are claims of genocide. Yes, there were claims of genocide lobbed at those who played the game. Some would-be reviewers or streamers were aggressively harassed. Did you two take on a fully grown troll by yourselves? Harassing's bad. The tactics, by the way, are also stupid. But I was most interested in the widespread apprehension over the question, will this game actually sell? Even if gameplay was great. 
CNN wrote before the game's release of the uncertain reception it would receive, quote, part of the game's expectation is based on controversy surrounding Harry Potter's creator, J.K. Rowling. The author has repeatedly made anti-trans comments, and some of the movie's actors have spoken out against them. Some gamers are also boycotting Hogwarts legacy over the controversy, quote, it's not a commercial risk so much as a cultural one, NYU professor Joost van Drunen said of the game's release. But there was no risk. The game's enormously popular. The very loud voices were waging a lost battle. The debate now is if the backlash brought the game more attention and boosted sales. I don't think it did, for the same reason I think the criticism was doomed to fail. Because the vast, vast majority of people who love Harry Potter love Harry Potter and do not want to occupy themselves with what they see as an issue tangential to a source of entertainment and pleasure. If Harry or the players in the game were espousing white supremacy views or clearly subjecting players to speech that they objected to, that'd be one thing. But the uninvolved creator's words, which maybe some don't even find objectionable, weighed against a chance to play a game they love, players chose not to punish themselves. A boycott only works if boycotters get more pleasure or satisfaction out of giving up the thing than using it. And no boycott will succeed if you're asking someone to give up something they really love for something vague or something they feel guilted into kind of supporting. Sure, people will switch one fungible commodity for another. There was the anti-Uber backlash. People went to Lyft. That was easy. That was frictionless. It also didn't work that well. Same thing happened when Neil Young tried to lead a boycott of Spotify over Joe Rogan. Spotify was nervous for a time. Now, Rogan's listenership is up, Spotify's listenership is up, Spotify's revenue is up. Listeners didn't want to punish themselves. I think also of the talk of the NFL waning in popularity because of its failure to address the concussion issue. The sort of people who have access to New York Times op-ed columns and New Yorker podcasts made it seem like football was in serious trouble. New York Magazine, 2017, writing on concussions, is this the end of the NFL? Sports Illustrated, 2016, a future without football. Head injuries put NFL game at risk. PBS, 2013. League of Denial. The NFL's concussion crisis. I'm really wondering if every single football player doesn't have this. Not every player had it. The Cassandras were wrong. The league actually put in protocols to address some of the problems. And in the end, this is where I'm supposed to say the problem was solved, but the problem wasn't solved. But that makes my point even further. The problem can actually never be solved. It's just that people love football. On Sunday, 113 million people watched the Super Bowl, third highest ever. 82 of the 100 most-watched programs last year were NFL football. But just a few years ago, there was real discussion in real places that we normally take really seriously that the game was headed for a demise. The discussion was wrong. It was off. It mistook the concerns of a well-listened-to elite for the desires of the public. This says something that touches on populism in political figures, something about gatekeeping in media, but mostly it says that protest movements are so thoroughly misunderstood, which is not to say that there's no successful protest movements as protesters would define it. It's not to say that people aren't pressured every day. Activism, pressure techniques, boycotts, they work. They won't work on JK Rowling. She's a billionaire colossus, but if she weren't, she could well be fired from her studio or dropped from her publisher. There are examples of young YA authors being dropped or sanctioned, punished, because they like to tweet from J.K. Rowling. The atmosphere of condemnation is not going unheard. 
other less powerful artists or thinkers, or to give voice to how an activist would put it, other less powerful transphobes are on notice. Choose your next words wisely. Indeed, ran Rock the Goblin. And as a wise wizard might caution to those who eschew trying to reason with people versus waging a scorched earth campaign, you get more whoopers with butterbeer than Lima's crazy blob drops. And that's it for the show. The Quaint Mallards are Corey Wara, producer. Joel Patterson, senior producer. We'll talk to you Monday. 